Wow, it's hard to believe that we are wrapping up our Easter series today. Wow, what a great journey it has been to dig into Jesus' footsteps, to learn from him, to just dig into his life, to apply to our own lives. And so we're wrapping it up today, talking about the table, the communion, and what a beautiful thing to wrap up on. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, as I know you all know by now. So we're going to dig into um, John chapter 21, verses 4 through 14. So if you would, uh, let's read this together. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. So this scene has really been so interesting to me to dig into this week. And uh, it's so cool because it was the third time Jesus revealed himself, but yet he's standing on the shore and the disciples still don't know it's him at this point because Jesus was like, I'm not going to let you know it's me just yet. But at this point, Peter says, hey, guys, let's go fishing. Or, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. And the guys are like, okay, well, I'll come with you. And so they go fishing. And one of us, some of us, may think, why are they fishing? Didn't Jesus just tell them to go and make disciples and do this gospel thing to go live it out and share it? They're going out fishing. They're slacking again. But everybody's got to eat. Everybody has to eat. And I kind of think of, as I was digging into this story a little bit, maybe Peter was one of those guys that needs to have a checklist, and so he starts off with the easiest thing first to kind of get that snowball effect of, okay, I know I do this. If I have a checklist, I'll start with the easiest things, the things I can really knock out quickly, and then that gets me really producing so I can get to those tougher, harder, the things that take a little bit longer. So Peter kind of sunk back into what he knew, and what he knew was fishing. So he goes fishing. And I've got to tell you that when I read this, I did it with my country twang. So I'm going to tell you how this conversation really went. So Jesus gets to the shore and he goes, hey, y'all catch anything? You have any luck out there? And they go, nah. <laughs> Jesus is really asking here, not about the fish. He's asking, how is it with your soul? This was way more about fishing. And from the short response that the disciples yell out, this nah, it really showed that they weren't the best. There was a lot more going on within them. This nah was more like a nah. You know, that defeated no that sometimes you give, that short no of 
I don't want to talk about it. It just is what it is. And so this stranger on the shore, instead of just walking away after they get this really short response, says in country twang, well, try that there on the other side then. And you know the craziest thing happens? They did. They did. And the reason why I think this is so crazy is we all have our expertise. We all have the things that we're really, really good at. And these were a bunch of fishermen in a boat, and then this stranger starts telling them how to do it. And they do it. Now, most of the time when people try to tell us how to do something that we really know how to do, what happens? Our pride goes up, and we don't want to take that advice. You're trying to tell me how to do the thing that I know how to do really, really well? But they did. And the result was they caught a whole lot of fish. A whole lot of fish, 153 fish, which Tom's going to talk about here in a bit. The point is Jesus shows up in the mundane. He shows up in the common details of our lives, the everyday stuff. He reveals himself to us over and over and over again. And there are two things we need to do in that. First, we need to notice. It helps to stay centered, to pause to recenter ourselves on God. Hey, are you here? Yeah, probably, because you always are. And when we do that, we start to recognize that he is there in the frustration, in the busy, in the boredom, in all of it. He is there with us. God wants to be there in the details. Even if we think, oh my gosh, you're God. You've got way more important things than worrying about if I catch fish or not. And then the second thing is to do We just don't do enough do. I'm not talking about Mountain Dew. I'm talking about doing, you know, really getting in and using our actions. And maybe it's because we grow uncomfortable with stepping outside of our comfort zone. We have our space. Or because it feels risky. Or maybe because it requires us to change. Or it's not an easy decision to do things sometimes because what will happen is we get inside our heads and we outthink ourselves. We think too much. We apply too much logic, and we will logic the Holy Spirit right out of things. Jesus wants action. He wants faith, which is an action word. He wants us to go, do, and tell, and most of the time, he's telling us exactly how to do it. We just don't want to hear him, and we may goof it up. We may mess it up, We may totally blow it out of the water and it not be any good at all, but guess what? We serve a God who can make great things out of our failure. When we read this story, remember, they hadn't caught anything. They were failing pretty hardcore. But when Jesus told them to take it to the other side and they did it, they saw a great thing. They saw 153 fish because they listened, they were aware, and they did. Well, if you and I give Jesus a chance, he will guide and direct our lives every time. But we need to give him a chance. need to have our hearts open. Uh, we need, not only need to be ready to receive, we, we need to uh, find ourselves ready with faith to respond. This wonderful passage from uh, John 21, uh, 4 through 14, uh, this third um, post-resurrection appearance as John uh, lists it, 
uh, becomes very important on that very, uh, very point of Christ's leadership and direction in our lives. All of us would do well to open ourselves to the guidance and leadership of our Lord. Down through the years, I've uh, had opportunity, at least on a couple of times, to do a little deep sea fishing, uh, not way out into the sea, but uh, certainly away from, from the shore. And every time uh, I've gone on one of those uh, deep sea deals, uh, it's been with the help of a guide. You know, when you hire on a guide, you, uh, you hire the boat, you hire the, the tackle, you hire the bait. Uh, most importantly, you hire a guide. I've got to tell you, on every one of my deep sea expeditions, it's been uh, sorely disappointing. I've not been very successful at all. I do have a friend who lives uh, most of the year in Florida. He's quite the avid fisherman. And he has a deep sea fishing guide on his speed dial. They are on a first name basis. While we've gone out a couple of times and not done very well, every time he seems to go out, go out without me, uh, he comes back with a big haul and he's got uh, pictures galore all over his uh, cell phone. You know, the interesting thing about a guide is that uh, a guide will, uh, will put you uh, in the, the right place so that you'll have the best opportunity for success. Now hear that. A guide puts you at the best place so that you'll have the best possibility for success. That's just what guides do. And that's sort of the, the function, if you will, of uh, Jesus as he was on the shore and offering his instruction, offering his guidance and direction to the disciples in regard to, to their fishing expedition. You know, it was not uncommon back in those days for um, those who fished to do so overnight. And that's exactly what the disciples did in, in this instance. They would uh, characteristically take their boat and sort of troll, uh, say, 100 yards or so away from the shore. And quite often, there would be one of their number who would stay on shore, would have that vantage point to be able to see where the schools of fish were and would say, hey, how about here or how about there? And Jesus, in this instance, provided that guidance. So the disciples, just a few yards away from the shore, heard from the shore, hey, cast your net on the right side. And that's exactly what they did. And as they cast their net on the right side, again, the important thing is that they submitted to the leadership, direction, and guidance of Christ. They pulled in a huge haul, large fish, 153. What a, what a curious number. And down through the centuries, there have been those who have tried to explain that 153 fish catch. St. Jerome, I think, sums it up best. He, uh, he talks about in that catch that there was every fish in the sea, which then points to the importance that one day all the nations on earth would come to Christ and would celebrate his presence for their lives. 
I've always enjoyed that explanation. And it gives me hope for, uh, for that day when uh, all the world would follow after Christ. Well, all that being said, when it comes to Jesus offering uh, direction and guidance for our lives, he does that, let's realize, from a, a different vantage point. We just celebrated last week the fact of Christ having risen from the dead. He sees from a different vantage point. Jesus is above our circumstances. He's above them, and hence gives him that grand opportunity to to be able to offer guidance and direction from that different vantage point. And again, if we'll let him do that, we will find ourselves not only enjoying Christ's presence, but his leadership that brings us to the very place, that that very place where there's a good possibility for, for success. Jesus guides and, and directs us, no doubt about that. And he does so in, in subtle and not so subtle ways. You're probably experiencing that uh, in in your own life, that sort of still, small voice, that, that sort of uh, rendering of God's uh, uh, leadership in your life through Christ, you know, just, just the sort of uh, currents in your heart. And then there are those not-so-subtle ways where, where it just, uh, just comes to you that, uh, that, that, that Christ is, is moving, and you just can't help but but grab the very things that he's trying to say and, and do in your life. So uh, Jesus comes to us in subtle and not so subtle lives in ways, and it would be good for us to, to, to recognize presence and always follow his lead, whether it's in the still small voice or in those times when it seems as though he's sort of grabbing us uh, by the lapel and saying, okay, here, here's what I, I would like for you to do. So I find myself, and I'm sure just like you, kind of going my own way. I do that all too often. And when I'm uh, going my own way, I I always seem to fall short. Instead of that catch of 153, it's a meager catch of that. I I go my own way and hence miss uh, the very guidance and leadership of God for my life. And so I'm, uh, I'm given pause to, uh, to listen a bit more. And indeed, I'm, I'm trying to do that. In fact, I would say that that's always something that's uh, in the mix of my own personal spiritual life, of, of listening more. And as I listen more, I am able to hear and to listen and be able to respond is one of the grandest joys in all of life. You know, when somebody comes to mind, I have um, sort of taken that as the nudging of God's Spirit in my heart, and uh, I'll act on that nudging, maybe place a call, maybe write a note, uh, maybe just pause right there, right then and there, and, and pray for that person. I'm trying to, 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 to listen more, and in listening, I, I oftentimes will hear uh, a name being spoken into my life, and I'll, uh, 
I'll try to act on that one way or the other. Sometimes when things get really tense, maybe just the circumstances around me, the, the pressure of maybe a deadline, uh, maybe some sort of strained relationship, maybe the, the, the conversation is strained. And in that, I always try to, to take the high road of love. And in that, I figure that uh, Christ is pleased. And he helps me through that, to always take the high road of love. And then uh, when I'm not too uh, sure what direction to take it all, and I'm, I'm confident that you get there as well, well, should I go this direction or that direction? Should I cast my net on the left or should it be on the, the right? I pause and pray to hear from Christ. And I'm sure that uh, as I pray that there'll be that opportunity for Christ to respond and maybe more uh, pointedly and better put, for me to, to be able to respond, to hear and listen. And I figure in any event, it always pleases Christ whenever I would seek after his will. So I pause to listen as he offers his guidance and direction for my life. And I would encourage you to do the very same thing. So, it's just a beautiful thought that Jesus is guiding and directing us. He's also inviting us. He's inviting us always into his presence. And when the disciples get to the shore, they see that Jesus has some fish and bread already ready. There's some fish on a grill, a charcoal fire that he's got going. And it's really cool to me because I feel like Jesus was preparing in case the disciples didn't listen to him. He's like, if you don't listen to me or not, I'm still going to show you over and over and over again that I am trying to take care of you. I am providing you your needs. And so when the disciples get there with the fish, instead of saying, okay, we've got everything ready here, he goes, hey, let's use some of your fish too. Not only is he in the details of our lives, but he wants to celebrate those details with us. He wants to proclaim those victories and be happy about those victories and share in our joy as much as he wants to be there for us when we are struggling in the hard stuff. He's also there in the good, wanting to celebrate that with us. And then another piece of that invitation is that there has to be a response from us. And so I want to look at these responses that we have here in this story. First, Peter hears Peter discovers or realizes that this is Jesus on the shore. And the reason he realizes it is because the beloved disciple told him, it is the Lord. The beloved disciple recognized that Jesus was standing on the shore and he told someone else. He shared that with someone else. Are we sharing the truth with other people that they too are invited into the presence of God? As disciples, we are called to do that. We are commanded to do that, actually. Peter was the one that he told. Now, there's many reasons why that the beloved disciple shared that with Peter. Maybe Peter was the closest one to him on the boat. But maybe it was because he knew Peter needed to know that that was Jesus a little bit more than the other folks. Maybe Peter needed time with Jesus needed reassurance that Jesus was inviting him into his presence more than the other disciples. 
And I love Peter's response. He jumps out of the boat. <laughs> he just leaves him behind and gets, gets to Jesus as quickly as he can. Okay, maybe it was a little bit selfish because he left the folks in the boat to haul the 153 fish that was not an easy undertaking and get the boat back to shore. So maybe there was a little bit of selfish in there. I mean, after all, it is Peter. But Peter wanted to get to Jesus as quickly as he could because, after all, it was Jesus. Some days we may be as Peter is. We need him more than we need anything else in the world. We need to fill our cup before we can share it with others. But on other days, maybe we're more like the beloved disciple, where our cup is good, and we are in the place where we can more obey and share it. Either way, I want Peter's response to be a reminder to us, a reminder for us to always be excited and earnest to respond to God's invitation that he wants to be present in our lives and he wants this wonderful, deep relationship with us. Let's never lose that excitement and that undignified response to get to God and Jesus as quickly as we possibly can. For years, Cheryl and I uh, frequented a, a restaurant. Uh, it's called The Cafe. It's just off of uh, Broadway uh, on Brent Street, uh, just adjacent to Louisville Stoneware. Uh, at the time, it was owned by uh, some good friends of ours, Sal and Cindy Rubino. We always enjoyed going to the cafe. A lot of times, uh, we would uh, meet Sal and Cindy after hours. We would maybe bring something in, or we would, uh, would go back in the kitchen, and we would, uh, would fix something, and then we would go either out into the restaurant or out on the patio, and we would eat and share and just enjoy the evening together. We always uh, loved our, our times at the, at the cafe. It's wonderful. We, uh, we enjoyed the food. There's absolutely no doubt about that. There, uh, there are recipes and the way things were prepared were, were nothing short of wonderful. And they've been written up time and time again with uh, glowing remarks uh, through the uh, Courier-Journal. Uh, we enjoyed the food, but we uh, really enjoyed the company and the hospitality. You know, I've heard it uh, said that uh, good food and good company are two of life's simplest yet greatest pleasures. And maybe you've experienced that uh, before. Not only good food, but really good company. And you just pull out of that experience just for a second and you realize, yeah, this is one of uh, life's uh, greatest uh, pleasures. To be with good, uh, good friends, and family, to enjoy uh, them around a, a good meal, it just really doesn't get much better than that. Well, Jesus, uh, as Ashley has already shared, offers an invitation for them to, to come and to eat, uh, to, to share, to, to have uh, the, the, the good food, certainly, but the good company. And indeed, as Jesus offers that invitation, uh, the disciples who had worked all night and, quite honestly, were pretty much famished. And again, uh, Jesus is always looking out for our needs. And we can glean that from this story. 
he offers them to come and eat. And sure, the food was, was important, uh, and it uh, certainly served uh, uh, meeting of their need. They were quite hungry from having uh, been working all through the night. But really, it was the, the company that uh, set things apart. Yeah, those fishermen had been together all night, but now that they were in the, the presence of the risen Christ, my, they, uh, they were cemented together uh, as a band of fishermen, but boy, they were, we were, they were very much brought together by the, the goodness and grace of the presence of the risen Christ. And they didn't even have to ask who he was. They just knew. Uh, Peter had already leapt into the water. He was so excited, as uh, Ashley has shared. And the rest uh, come forward. They bring in the hall. They were in the presence of the risen Christ. And so today, we, uh, we come around a table. Uh, Christ has prepared it, just like he prepared that meal for the disciples along the, the, the seashore. He, uh, he prepared it there. He prepares it uh, right here. He offers uh, his uh, invitation, and we seek to respond. And not just to do so in a perfunctory way, not just to go through the motions, but to hear the invitation and really respond to not only seek the, the good food that is here, but to, uh, to seek after the one who offers it and to enjoy the good company of our Lord. You've heard me say often, this is good food for the road ahead. Uh, I, I say that because it is. It is for me. Uh, I, I do so believe that it is for you, good food for the road ahead. It is the very thing that we uh, need for our lives, whether it's spiritual or otherwise good food for the road ahead. And, and if we dig deeply into the theology of what goes on here, and certainly uh, much has been written and thought about and, and shared about what goes on here around this table, you, know, you can distill it down to the, to the one thing that what we celebrate here is the real presence of Christ. Maybe not so much the idea of transubstantiation where the elements actually become the body and blood of Christ or uh, some idea of just a mere symbol that just points to, to what Jesus did in the, in the upper room or just a mere symbol of what Jesus did on the, the cross as his body was broken and his blood was spilt. No, we, we find ourselves in that that, that place where we celebrate the real presence of Christ. More than symbol, yeah, sure, maybe less than the actual body and blood of Christ, but the real presence of Christ nonetheless. Good food for the road ahead, the real presence of Christ. Good food, good company, one of the greatest pleasures in all of life. And so this food is only eclipsed by the company we keep, certainly the company of one another as we uh, break bread together on our knees, if you will, but uh, good company in regard to the very real presence of Christ for us. And so we, uh, 
we celebrate that real presence as we come around this table and as we share in this holy meal. So let's, uh, let's hear this, uh, this invitation and uh, brood over it. It is an invitation that is offered to all those who truly and, and earnestly repent of their sins, who are in love and, and charity with their, their neighbors, and intend to lead a, a new life following after the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in His ways, His holy ways, the ways of the risen Christ. Let's uh, join together in prayer as we uh, seek to come together around this table, remembering that uh, in the upper room, Jesus uh, took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper and after he had given thanks, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the remission of sin. Do this also in remembrance of me. So let's pray together, if we will. And God, we uh, do seek to heed your invitation. And we realize that uh, part of that invitation is to consider our own failings and to seek after you and your forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you hear just now the confessions of our hearts. And thank you, Lord, for, for hearing those confessions, and may they uh, be received, and may we live in the sure confidence of your for forgiveness as we offer those same confessions. And God, we do uh, point ourselves to this table. We thank you for these common elements of bread and cup. We pray, O oh God, that as we share in this meal, that we would know of you fully and that we would certainly experience the company of, of the real presence of Christ. And Lord, we pray through your Son that you do with us what you will, and that we would know of the deep and abiding blessings of Christ in us. So Lord, bless and keep us as we share this holy meal, and as we uh, share in this meal, may we find ourselves better prepared to go forth, to heed your guidance and, and direction for our lives, to always uh, listen, and to respond, that we would heed your every invitation to be in relationship with you, and that we would uh, find you at the very center of our lives through Christ, the risen Savior. This prayer we, uh, we make in his name. Amen.